Well, good morning again, and good morning online folks. Glad you guys are with us today as well. So as we are in this sermon series called The Call, it's about discipleship. And discipleship, uh, we've got a definition of discipleship, uh, and this is it right here. This is the definition of discipleship. A disciple is someone who follows, learns from, and lives like Jesus. This is about following Jesus. This is the call in our lives. This is our whole purpose of life is that we would live as a disciple. And that means we're going to conform our ways and our, and our words to the ways, to the words and the ways of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. And being a disciple is also then, as we've been talking the last few weeks, about stewardship. And stewardship is this definition. Let's look again at the definition of stewardship. I did it two weeks in a row. I know you get it. It's so good. I just don't want you, I want to embed it. Stewardship is the conducting and the supervising and the managing of something. It's not owning something. It's managing it, especially the careful and responsible management of something that's been entrusted to us by, for care by another. So every, we've talked about every hour we've been given is given from the Lord. Every dollar that's been given has been given to us by the Lord to entrust it, to care for it, to serve him in it. That's what a steward is. And it's part of our discipleship of learning how to pattern our ways and our words after the ways and the words of Jesus. And so as we talk about stewardship, we've talked about the big three, time, treasure, and talents. And this morning, we want to talk a little bit about the, t- the treasure, uh, the stewardship of talents. Us, who we are, what we possess, what we bring to the table, the assets that are in us, the characteristics that God made us to be, the you that's really you. We're going to talk about how that becomes. We're, we're given to, those are given to us by God, and we're going to serve God with it. In all those three that we've been talking about, we use this passage in Luke chapter 19 as a launching point. You can go back and read it. There are two parables that Jesus tells, one in Luke 19, one in Matthew 25, that are about this idea of a man giving, this is the picture of Jesus, giving his servants some things to manage for him. In the beginning of that text, again, that that Jesus, uh, you know, this is a picture of him. He called 10 of his servants and he gave them 10 minas, which is a month's wages, and he goes, put these to work until I return. And that's who we are as Jesus' disciples, as Jesus' followers, that we've been given time, treasure, talents to put to work until he returns. This is our whole life existence, you guys, is that we're here on earth waiting for Jesus to come back and bring his kingdom in its fullness. But we don't wait passively. We wait with everything he's given us to invest it in strengthening the kingdom of God coming now on earth as it is in heaven as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. So what we do now matters as we build his kingdom and we help bring about people's salvation through Christ. We help bring about justice and mercy and compassion and beauty and joy, all the things that his kingdom will bring one day in its fullness. Come on now, amen to that. We're gonna bring it now while we wait for him to return. And he's given us everything we have in order to do that. There's no other other purpose of life. That's it. That's what we do. Oh, it's such good news. Well, here's here's the, the, so the stewardship of our talents as we talk about them. It's about using then all of the characteristics of who we are. Those that are given to us by the king. We're gonna use them for the king. 
It's about using all the characteristics of who we are given to us by the king for the king. Just like the stewardship of time was about using all the hours every day that God gave to us, we would use it for him. Just like the stewardship of treasure is using every dollar, every resource God gives to us, we're going to use it for him. Well, the stewardship of our talents is about us. It's about the us that we were created to be. And the good news that you're going to hear in this little half sermon that I'm preaching right now is is that the, the stewardship of you is just about you showing up. Now, we're going to be careful about how we do that. We're going to be intentional. We're going to be strategic. But the you that God made you, come on now, is a gift to bringing his kingdom on the earth. And so the stewardship of it is going, you gave it to me. You gave me who I am, where I live, what I've got. I'm going to give it all back to you to build your kingdom. That's what we do as stewards of the talents that God's given us. I'm going to look at a passage that uh, in Romans chapter 12, it's going to be up here on the screen. And I'm going to blaze through it, but I want you to go back and study it. I'd love for you to go study this text. There's so much depth here. And I'm not going to teach about spiritual gifts the way that we often talk about spiritual gifts, because I want you to see through it with fresh eyes, this idea that all of this text is about the spirit giving us the assets that we have, giving us the us that we are, making you the you that you are, and then being called to just bring that to the world. That's the good news. And it's so easy and so fresh. And we just bring who God made us to be. This text in Romans chapter 12, therefore I urge you, it starts, uh, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. There it is right there. That's the text that you would just bring yourself Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Here I am, God. Everything I have is you, is yours. Everything I have is for you. All I bring to the table, here I am. This is like, this is the the core of what our lives should be. That in the morning when we wake up and we get up and we're like, thank you, Lord, for breath again this morning. Here I am. And I'm all about you today with all that I have, with all that I am. He goes on to tell them, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Now, this verse, this verse 2, is so like that Ephesians 5 passage that I led you to the last. So if you're taking notes, write down Ephesians 5. Online people, somebody put Ephesians 5 in the chat. Like, like it's so like that idea. Like, don't conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't live like everybody else lives, but be transformed by what? By the truth, by the renewing of your mind. What's the truth? The truth is all about God, all about salvation, all about the fact that he's given us everything we have, right? There's this idea about being, um, understanding what's really going on here. We don't live the way just anyone would live as believers in Jesus. We get transformed by the renewing of our minds that this truth is that we're God's people. And then he goes, and then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love that. It's like, look at, listen, it's like the Ephesians 5 passage was like, so be very careful then how you live, not as unwise. Don't be unwise, meaning know God's truth. Don't be unwise, but be wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then Ephesians 5 goes on to say, it's 5.15 and following. It goes on to say, and don't be foolish. What's the opposite of foolish? It says, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we're subject to God's will with all that we are, with all that we have. That's what we do. We submit ourselves to God and that's wisdom and we know God's will and we get to live it out. Oh man, we're 
God's servants. That's the core of this whole thing. There's so much other good stuff in this passage. Verse three goes on to say, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, uh, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself rather with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given you. Paul's point there is he's telling the Romans they have sort of a, maybe a spiritual superiority complex. I think we have the opposite problem. I think we need to be told in this text, listen, don't think of yourself less than you should. Like you, you got gifts. You have the filling of God. You've got assets for his kingdom. He made you who you are to bring them to the table. And then he goes on in verse four to say, everybody's got those gifts and yours are unique. We're like a body. We have different members. They don't have the same function. So in Christ, we all form one body and each member belongs to the other. So we need you. Verse six goes on to say, we have different gifts according to the grace of God, according to the work of God in us. If you're, for example, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. In other words, you be you. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love this. I love that this whole idea, this whole vibe that he's creating, he's saying grace has been given to you. Faith has been given to you, so go be you. You do you for the glory of God. Then he goes on to this very last paragraph that's so sweet and so fun. He goes, love must be sincere. I love it. This is just sort of this summary of the whole thing. He goes, look, it's just got to be real. Just be real. The you just needs to show up and hate what's evil. Cling to what is good. In other words, be holy and righteous. Be devoted to one another. In other words, be together. And don't be lacking in zeal. In other words, be positive. And he goes on, be joyful, et cetera, et cetera. And at the very end, he goes, practice hospitality. I love this. This whole call to you've been given assets by the spirit of God, by the grace of God, by the wisdom of God. He's made you who you are. Now show up and bring it. And the last thing he says is, and practice hospitality. Why would he say that? Because hospitality is about making yourself available to people. Because your gifts are to connect with people. You're a gift to people because people are who are in the kingdom and this is how we strengthen the kingdom. And so we show up and be with people. Now get out of your head the thought of, oh, I'm gonna have a coffee with my neighbors or I'm gonna have a dinner party, but maybe. But that thought of hospitality is about inviting people. Think of the soul healing messages of hospitality. I see you, you're worth my time. I want to be with you. Those kinds of ways, that's us bringing our assets, bringing who we are to bear to that person, that group of people. And when that happens, then the kingdom gets built. And so we just do us, we just show up. Hospitality is so beautiful. The, the word in the Greek literally means Philozenia, which, which means loving, deep love, philozenia, strangers. And so what happens when we love strangers? Like we, we love those that are unseen and unloved. We, we bring closeness where there's distance. We bring community where there's isolation. This is what we do with our gifts. And in all of those contexts, because we get to be present with people, then our gifts affect them and the kingdom is built. So you just show up. That's what you do. In all the places that God tells you to show up. 
Now, I get encouraged when I think about that because I want to build a kingdom, and I don't think that I have all these gifts to build the kingdom. Or maybe, you know, I look at other people with different gifts, and I'm like, that's building the kingdom. And God's like, nope. You, think of yourself with sober judgment. This is who I made you to be. Now get out there. You go be you. Now, you guys, that, as sweet and simple as that sounds, is a hard teaching. Because there's a lot of reasons that we'd rather not go be us in the world. And so I'm going to end the sermon with those reasons. There's four reasons why you should probably just live for yourself, okay? <laughs> Number one, you would have to let go of some of your wants and your agendas. If you're going to be out there in the world, you're going to have to let go of some wants and agendas. It'd probably be easier for you just to live for yourself. But here's the good. We all know that. But here's the good news. The good news, you guys, is that he knows what you need before you even ask him. He knows your true wants. And by the way, if he edits our agenda and our plans, that is such a good and fruitful idea because he knows what we need better than we do. And so it's such a tongue-in-cheek thing to go, yeah, maybe we should just like live for myself because I don't want, otherwise I'd have to edit my plans for my life. You guys, my plans for my life are so lame compared to his plans for my life. You with me? But maybe, maybe that's a better way to live. Second reason maybe we should just live for ourselves. It's a lot less stressful to circle our wagons and not be distracted and burdened by others. It's a lot less stressful. And can I get an amen? <laughs> a lot less stressful to do that. But oh my gosh, you guys. The good news is every part of your human experience is actually impacted negatively when you live in isolation. Every part of it. And every part of your human experience is impacted positively when you gather with other people and engage with them. That's what God has asked us to do. That's why our gifts are designed to be with other people, to bring that into the context of community. It'd be a lot easier, a lot less stressful just to kind of do my little small life. But as I've said before a couple of times, I do not want a Jeff-sized life. I want a Jesus-dictated kingdom life that he's designed me to have. And so, I'm not going to live for myself. Third reason, though, maybe, you should probably just live your life for yourself, is that people are super messy, and you may often feel outside your skill set when you engage with people. And this is that thing that, 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 like, we go, yeah, you know what? Actually, the world's so big, and the problems are so complex that I don't have anything to give. I can't see any difference that I would make. Yeah, never mind. I just won't be, I won't be out there. Anybody feel that when you look at the problems in the world? Anybody feel that when you get together with a neighbor and hear their stuff and you're like, uh, I got nothing for you. And guess what? You don't have anything for them except who you are right now in your story where God has you and God's asked you to show up for them. And when you're there, this is why it's good news. This is why you shouldn't live for yourself. The good news, the secret good news is you're not fixing people. You're not understanding or evaluating the impact. You're just showing up because the theology behind it is that these are God-given gifts that we're stewarding. This is the Holy Spirit-empowered stuff that comes out. And so the power of Jesus, the fragrance of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus doesn't come from you. But Jesus comes when we just get with people and our gifts get used. Does that free you a little bit? 
or we could just live for ourselves because it's a lot easier. And here's a fourth reason why maybe we should just do that is that religion's then not going to be enough. If we just, otherwise, if we try to live for people, religion's not going to be enough. We might actually have to walk with Jesus. And it is so easy and so comforting for me to have warm fuzzies and squishy heart for Jesus and just love him and live for him and read the Bible and be around people I like. (laughs) That's so good. But we weren't designed to just have warm fuzzies and have this little relationship with Jesus. We were designed and he gave us time, treasure, and talents to go out there and be his stewards until he returns. And so the truth is, and it's good news, we were designed to walk with him because none of us are wise enough to know how to spend every hour, every dollar, every asset that we have. We don't even know any of that, so we have to be holding loosely all of our plans and walking with Jesus day by day and letting him lead us, direct us, guide us, change us. That's way harder. And it's a whole life that we're going to live. Oh, but it's so good because the reality of it is that that's exactly what we were designed to do is to walk with him. So to sum up, I've been talking about good news for three weeks in this. This stewardship of time, treasure, and talents is not like do more, work harder, be miserable. The good news is that Jesus said that you're going to find the life that you've always been longing for if you live for him with all of who you are. You can look up the verses and Luke 9 is one of the places he said it. He said, if you're going to come after me, lay down your plans and follow me. Because if you're trying to save your life, you're not going to find it. But if for my sake, if you want to be my person, my steward, until I come back, if for my sake you lose your life, like you give me control and follow me, you're going to find life. And that's what we've been looking for. And so this great good news secret is, oh, you mean they're not my dollars? Oh, you mean they're not my days? Oh, you mean it's not my agenda? Like, the good news secret is, yeah, because God has designed life for you that you couldn't have figured out on your own. And so we get to be rich kingdom people. And second part of that good news is that living for him is at its core simply you doing you. It's so freeing because we just bring what he's given. And when we show up, God's kingdom gets built. That's true for bringing all of our dollars. It's true about bringing all of our calendar and our time. It's true about bringing all of our characteristics. We show up and God's kingdom gets built. Now we're going to talk about some more about how we do that. Ben, come up with me. Let's, so let's move into some Q&A time. And, um, And we'll talk about stewardship because it is true that while us just being present for people is God building his kingdom, we do get insights about who we are, what we have, and how to do that best. And so we want to talk pragmatics whenever we're together. Iron sharpening iron. Let me get a a chair. Yep. You guys did a good job. So nice job, everybody, uh, with the questions. And what's been so fun in this whole passage, this whole series on stewardship it's so easy to just think, gosh, here's all the things to do. Yeah. And I love that idea of just, we want to be more of the unique ways that God has made us to be. And to be fully us is so freeing. And um, so in light of that, we have some great questions here. Um, so speaking with the first one, it says this, I feel like I don't give enough. Um, I, 
I don't save enough, not because I'm bad with money, but because this is Marin County in 2022. As you said last week, I have money issues. Is it my attitude about God's provision that needs to change? And I just love that. That could be about money. That could be about time. I just love that question and wrestling of, of our, yeah, that's a great question. Let me read it one more time. I feel like I don't give enough and I don't save enough. Am I bad with money? I'm not bad with money, but because it's Marin County in 2022. Yeah, I, you know, there's, I, as in all of these questions, there's like a philosophical, I'm going to jump in and go first. Is that right? That's great. There's, there's sort of this philosophical idea, and then there's these prag, pragmatic things that go along with it. There's these disciplines about, about money that go along with it. Because I don't want to say to that person, you're not bad with money. I'm sure you're fine. They might be, right? There's, yeah. and I'll, maybe I'll let you handle the pragmatic part. But the spiritual answer to that, this philosophical part, I said it last week, remember, about when I confessed my issues about money, they're not about money. They're about, it's a spiritual problem where I don't trust God. Yeah. And so I have to keep shaping my understanding that I serve a perfect heavenly father who I can trust and who will provide for me. And by the way, when I look back, even though things have been dark and hard and sometimes difficult, he's always made provision for me. And so it becomes a spiritual problem, this, la- this scarcity piece or this yeah. lack piece in me. It's rooted in my story and I can tell you five really good reasons why I'm that way, but it's not God's problem. It's, it's some healing that needs to happen. Yeah. And so when that healing, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I get that stuff straight, my money stuff, my worry about having enough dis- literally disappears, goes away. Yeah. I think what's so great about coming together as a church and why we gather is because we have to be continually both inspired to have our hearts soft towards Christ that he molds and shapes us and changes us. But we also need to be around each other so we can learn the disciplines and the pragmatics because there are people who have gone before us and have yeah. figured these things out. And what I found, I mean, I'm a, I'm a creature of Marin and I'm raising kids in Marin. And if I'm not reminded of the truth of who God is, if I'm not reminded of all the blessings that God's given me, if I'm not held to check that maybe all the values of Marin don't need to be lived out through me and through my kids, well, then I need to wrestle with that too. And so, so this, this question was actually really a challenging one because it is, there's a part of God, has he provided enough? And then there's a part of, gosh, how much have I conceded to the culture and the world around me to try to live a way that maybe God doesn't want me to live, which means I don't have the resources or time to leverage for other things that he's called me to do. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. And we can learn from each other about time, man- I mean, about, you know, financial, man- well, time management, financial management, right? And how it is that we can live on what, what it is that God's given us. Yeah. I always love when, when we talk about tithing, it's just like pokes everybody in the nerve. There's like some great questions about the pragmatics around tithing. So here we go. All right, here we go. Okay. I love that you had a chance to look at them and that's I'm right, going to fly blind here. All right. No, look, here we go. You like the adrenaline. So this is great. <laughs> All right. So question on tithing. One, when we look, um, we look at our giving, we look holistically. Um, is it a combination of the church and other Christian organizations um, that we do more than 10% as a whole? The question is tithing 10% as a whole or 10% supposed to be just for the church? Yes. <laughs> so I said last week in my, if you didn't get to hear either of these other sermons, I really would recommend that you, that you go and, and check those out. But one of the things I said in my sermon last week about treasure and about, about money is, you know, again, 10% is not the New Testament teaching. 10%, the New Testament teaching about giving to the church um, is about figuring out before God what it is that you should be giving. Now, 10% comes from Jewish tradition, and, the, and that's just the beginning because they were 
three tithes in the Jewish tradition. And in the Christian tradition, it's not 10%, it's 100% of your money is to be lived for God, right? So that being said, there's an assumption in the scriptures that where the local church gathers is where you put your money for the work of the Lord. And 10%, there's an assumption in 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 the New Testament that they were giving 10%, but that's just the beginning of conversation about it. Yeah. And so there's some real pragmatics around this because if you're giving, if you're not able to give 10% because you haven't been giving, then we're not going to be like, where's your 10%? Jump from zero to, to 10, right? Because yep. that isn't that law. It's about walk with the Lord in this proportional, strategic, careful, like, Lord, here's my money. Like, I want to give to what you're doing. That's the beginning question. Yeah. There's this... Um, it's like there's an inverse question that I feel like as a more re- rebellious person I hear, which is, I don't really want to give to the local church because the local church, I don't know, understand you. You just want it for your salary. I don't think that's the best use of uh, stewardship. And so I'm just going to give somewhere else. What I love about this question is this person's wrestling with like, I just want to be more generous yeah, of all so my true. generosity. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so usually if you're the person who's trying to go, is it eight, 10, 12, like, you're already wrestling with Jesus. You're working it out. You are, you are a discipled person figuring those things out. Yeah, right. I Good think um, yeah. there's a, the shadow side, though, is we live in a culture and a context where the church in general has wronged people and people don't trust what's going to happen with their finances. And so that is an issue. And, and if that is your issue, gosh, I hope that you wrestle with that, that you talk with that. We work we spend so much time as a pastoral team and as a staff to make sure that our church is a safe environment. We work hard to make sure our finances are done in a, such a diligent way and a, a way that's separate from us so that we can be good pastors. Um, but we do know that that does poke people. And, uh, and it's just a gentle encouragement that if you do have church baggage or issue, finances are just going to be the smallest part of your full investment of your life and in your life of the church. And so... Um, yeah, so if, if that's your wrestling, gosh, want to be in conversation with that. If you're wrestling with the 8, 10, 12, that, that is so fun. How do I be more generous? Here's a question that I would love your perspective. All right, wait, so let me, let me say something about that other question. Okay. You're like, did they answer that? No. <laughs> because there's no exact answer. If you're giving 8% to Marin Covenant, if you're a 10% giver, thank you. And if you're giving 8% to Marin Covenant and 2% to your, your brother-in-law and sister-in-law who were missionaries, like, well, like, like, that's not, we're, like, there's not a rule here, you guys. And I'm also aware, truthfully, frankly, I'm aware that there are some, some people have, in this room, have potentially even have significant wealth that giving 10% would rock our weird budget. Like, it would be weird. And, and so there's a different way of working out the percentage thing. However, if you were another church and I was asked to speak and I was here as a consultant and whatever, and I wouldn't, like, it wouldn't look self-serving at all, because you guys get it. We're, this isn't self-serving for us, right? You get that we're not like, give more money, people. We're like wanting you to be disciples of Christ. You hear that? You know that, right? But, but so, so I don't want this to sound self-serving. But, but the reality of it is, the, 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 the thought of it is, look at the local church is the place that God has asked, will you be the presence of Christ in your, in your place for your families and for your community now, we've got other local churches down the street, but we do our thing. This is our thing. And God's asked us together to do ministry. And that requires us who are here to give to it. And so I think the priority ought to be the local church with offerings and other tithes going beyond that to other places. And yet if you're like, yeah, no, I worked it out with the Lord, six here, four here, whatever, we're going to be like, awesome. But 
as to go toward like, so Jeff, answer the question. Should we give to the church? Should we give other places? What? Do you hear Ben's point? Ben's like, if you're struggling with the church, then let's work that out, right? And, but giving to what God's asked us to do here is a priority for those of us who said, yeah, Lord, I'll be part of this church and what it's doing. Yeah. Thanks for saying that at some other church. Okay, that, yeah. was, that was slick how you did that. Um, but the, 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 the positive side of that is uh, that we're really thankful for, for our church and for the, people with gener- yeah. the, the ways that you've been so generous. And because of our church's generosity, then we as the leadership team, as the pastoral team, and ultimately as a congregation, we get to go, how in the world do we then steward this budget yeah. to be about all the things? And right, because that's the mandate we have is right. what God's asked our people to, to, to give. That's it. Yeah. Um, there's a ton more questions about these. Um, we're not going to answer them, but I love this. 10% after taxes. That's a great one. Uh, what about how does the giving impact uh, generational wealth? And if you're going to pass on to your kids and, and to the church, what do you do with that? Uh, but here's a, here's a great question that I just wanted, didn't want to get lost because I don't think we talk about money a ton as a church. At least we don't, we don't harp on you that much. But just to be clear, one of these questions is, do you have to give money to become a Christian? That what an opportunity to just make it super clear. No. Okay, good. That, that is it. We are being stewards, right? You're adopted. And when you become a Christian, you're adopted into God's family. You can be a rebellious punk. You could be a goody two-shoes. You could be who you're, who you are. You're adopted into God's family. The trick is we want to be part of the family business. We want to leverage all of who we are. So whether you give, whether you don't give, whether you serve, whether you don't serve, that doesn't change your identity in Christ as a child of God. Um, and so I've, I appreciate this question, and I would just be so heartbroken. Gosh, wouldn't you just be heartbroken if you just missed? We want to leverage our stewardship to the best possible way. That has nothing to do with our identity and, and who we are. Amen. Thank you, Ben. All right, let's get... We'll, that was a lot about money. So we'll do one more and then we'll be done here. So how do you, this goes right into your sermon today, Jeff. How do you discern between ego or self-interest when you're using your gifts for God? How do you discern between your ego and your self-interest when you're using your gifts for God? What, go, yeah, go ahead. You probably had a chance to think about it. Give that a little bit of a shot and expand the question for <laughs> us. And then I'll, what is, meaning, meaning, I think the question is, right, like, well, if I should just do me, then I'm just going to do the things that I want to do. And there's other things that maybe that I don't want to do because it's not my gift or calling. And I, I think the way I was thinking about it would be like on a football team where every player has a very specific role and a specific job. And you, because you're made in the image of God, because you've been given certain gifts, you, you have a very specific part of the body of Christ that has to be used, that has to be activated. And if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Um, but at the same time, that's balanced with the culture of the team, right? With the culture of the body of Christ. Like there's very clear teachings all throughout the whole scriptures, and especially the New Testament about loving one another, about forgiving one another, about um, humility and tenderhearted mercy and caring for the, like you said, the stranger and the foreigner and right, the, the orphans and widows. So we don't need to go, oh, I don't really like old women and, 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 and widows. So I just, I'm out. That's not how it works. Like we care about things that Christ cares about. So those are universal. Right. And then we specifically activate the parts that God has uniquely called us to do. That is, that is really good. And if there's something in there about, you know, I just, if I do what I like to do, is that wrong? There, well, again, walking with Jesus, he's going to root out the selfish motivations inside us if we keep presenting our hearts to the Lord. But, but I don't think there is anything 
I mean, I actually like that theory because, because God made you who he made you to be and for you to have unique passions and you're going to love what it is he's asked you to do. And I don't know, some of you have grown up in contexts. I had a roommate like this, man. The hardest, the worst choice of every, any option was always the one he figured God wanted him to do. He was like, like his impression of God was, oh, you like this, 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 and you hate that? That's probably God's will. Like where, not, the, I don't see that. And I, this is the God who made us and delights in the gifts he's given us. And of course, we're gonna love serving him when we're right in the groove. Yeah. of who he made us to be. Yeah, and I just wanted to just make a, a, a small plug. You know, at, we've done this whole uh, series on discipleship. The last chunk of this whole uh, series on discipleship is about discerning our unique calling and activating that. And in fact, we're gonna do a deeper dive for the next three weeks. Uh, Jeff and I are leading a rower seminar. So if you're like, gosh, this is my church, these are my people, and I wanna understand exactly who God made me to be so I can activate that for the kingdom of God, then we would just love for you to join us. And it's funny, someone asked me like, are you just gonna come and then get, I'm gonna get the big ask. There is no big ask. Our ask is simply, gosh, that you would run after Jesus and we wanna equip you to encounter Jesus and we wanna equip you to discern how God has uniquely crafted you and then we wanna empower you to run after that. And so this Rowers event is gonna be a seminar for, so for three weeks. We're going to walk through that process with you, and I would just love uh, for you to join us. So if this is your church and you want to figure out who God's made you to be in every season of life, uh, this is it. The last thing is there were so many questions. We, there's no way we were going to be able to get to all of them. Um, but we just want to give just a little taste just to kind of mix it up, do something a little different. But also I hope that you know uh, for Jeff and I and really our entire pastoral team, we love nothing more than the pleasure to be with you, to walk through life with you. And so we are easily accessible. We would love nothing more than to answer questions, to walk this journey with you so that you can figure out who it is that God has uniquely crafted you to be and that you can run after it. So I'm sorry we didn't get to all your questions like about yeah. the sacraments and some people didn't play ball, but gosh. That means you got questions, Jeff, call us. Yeah. That's it. All right, I'll let you finish up the rest of your sermon. Thanks. Let me just wrap this up, you guys. And, and um, yeah, and email Ben so that you can talk about uh, 10% before taxes or after taxes. <laughs> Somehow I imagine that there's this, t this New Testament text somewhere about splitting hairs or... Um, you guys, this three weeks on stewardship, I really, really, really hope that you hear in it um, as part of our call to be a follower of Jesus, the good news that what we're really looking for is the, to live life exactly how he designed it to be lived, which is for him. If we try to find our life and try to live our life and try to solve our life and try to plan our life and try to figure out where every, every hour goes and every dollar goes and how, who I am and how I perfectly, like if, if we try to do it according to our agenda, we're gonna miss it. But if for his sake we give him our lives, we're going to find what we've always been longing for, which is a life of purpose and depth and richness and joy and all of the fruit of the Spirit because we'll be building the kingdom while we wait for Jesus to come bringing it in its fullness. That's what we were designed to do. And it's such great news. And it's going to require some careful living. Again, the Ephesians 5.15 and following passage, be very careful how you live. Not like careful, ooh, yikes, scary. Like don't make a mistake. Not that kind of careful, but be very intentional how you live. Be very strategic how you live. Be very thoughtful how you live. Be very discerning how you live. Because if God has given you an hour 
then be thoughtful about what he's asking you to do with it. If God's given you a dollar, be thoughtful about what he's asking you to do. If God's given you strengths, be thoughtful and careful and strategic about how you live that for him. And so it's going to require some taking a fearless inventory about how, how, what is the state of my finances? And am I lined up around how it is that I use my money for the Lord's kingdom? How is the state of my calendar? And do I feel great? And it's lined up for how I live my life, for how God wants me to spend my time. How, how am I stewarding who I am? And am I circling my wagons, living more for my own careful approach to life rather than giving myself away in hospitality, so to speak, that people would be impacted by the, the me that God made me? And how am I doing that in a strategic and intentional way? And again, the good news, you guys, is you know, to micromanage every single last dollar, is that's way beyond what we're talking about here. But to look at it all and go, what? Am I the Lord's person here? And will we, in fact, do the work to get to that place of, okay, Lord, I'm presenting all of this to you. This is going to kind of create some crazy reorienting. That's what it might require. And some countercultural sort of conviction that we would take the time to look at our lives and decide we're going to be good news about who we are, what we have, so that the kingdom would come now on earth as it is in heaven. And may the Lord Church grant you wisdom and discernment and strategy and discipline and deep joy in moving forward with that kind of careful living. 2 Corinthians 9, we looked at last week. Because as you sow generously of your life, your time, your treasure, your talents, you will reap generously for the glory of God. We hope you find that joy in living for him like that. Let's keep the conversation going, but now let's respond in worship and adoration of this God who gave us everything that we have. Let's stand together.